Welcome to With You Every Step, the solo travel podcast that explores, explains and hopefully inspires you to travel the world by yourself. I'm your host, Michelle Lee. In my introduction episode, I talked about wanting to inspire people to travel, especially those who have never traveled before or may have a fear or not sure the world can cater to their needs. Today's guest is a phenomenal human. Her outlook on life and travel are truly inspiring. I was blessed to meet Joss Franciscus a few years back, and I'm lucky enough to share her with you all today. Welcome, Joss. G'day. How you going? Joss, can you explain to us your accident and where you are now? Uh, Yeah, sure. My background is probably about, oh gosh, about nine years ago. I just was in a bit of a bad motor vehicle accident. It was actually a golf buggy. Uh, I I was actually, funnily enough, on holidays in Hamilton Island and I fell out of a golf buggy the wrong way and, you know, I'm sort of glossing over it, but I did, I fractured my neck. I had a spinal cord injury, so I'm what they would say, quadriplegic. So um, I can move my arms, I can't move my legs, uh, but my arms are probably about 50% of the movement that I would normally have. So that's sort of where the term quadriplegic means four limbs affected. So mm-hmm. yeah, so I am a powered wheelchair user for most part of all of my day, really. So before that, you were very able-bodied. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, up to 29, I was walking around and just like everyone else. So, you know, obviously your podcast is about travel. So it was a very stark uh, difference of traveling. I think I traveled overseas only a year before my accident. So uh, going overseas as someone with a power wheelchair user, you know, and a disability compared to being able-bodied was just worlds apart so it's been a really steep learning curve but I've continued to travel heaps in Mm. that time and I love that about you I think it's amazing just going back to your accident Mm. it happened while you were traveling just for people Mm. to think if something does happen while they're traveling can you explain kind of what happened in that in that moment and how things were dealt with well I mean fortunately I was traveling within Australia yeah I didn't actually have travel insurance I was very well looked after, thankfully, due to the fact that um, I had coverage through other insurance. So you didn't have travel insurance for that trip? No, I mean, I've never, I don't, and I think a lot of people don't uh, get travel insurance for traveling um, domestically. No, I don't. I never do. Not within Australia, I don't. Yeah, so it is something I would consider saying to people as, as, as an idea because we always think of, uh, you know, and even people when they go to, I, I live in Western Australia, so going to Bali, which is a short international trip, I think a lot of people don't think, you know, it's only a few hours away or Singapore or whatever it is, oh, you know, I won't get travel insurance, but it really is a must. Mm. Um, and I don't work in travel insurance, by the way. <laughs> but, uh, but, not but a sneaky so, little plug there. <laughs> no, it's not a plug. It's not a plug. Yeah. I had I had to have I had was helicoptered out off the island. Yeah, I had a lot of you know expenses, and I actually relocated completely from where I was in Western Australia to Queensland for quite some years because of the accident. Yeah, because of the accident, I want to rehabilitate over in Queensland. So yeah, what was supposed to be I don't know a three week holiday ended up being 
three and a half years. Wow. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was unexpected. Mm. All right. So that happened while you were traveling. You stayed there. So did you not come home at all in between that time? Uh, Yeah, I had short trips back home. And that's also interesting as well, because Perth, uh, you know, I was living in Brisbane and Perth actually became, I guess, almost the holiday destination. It was interesting traveling to your own city with a new disability. And then you realize all of like the things that, you know, were inaccessible and just, I don't know, I guess having to negotiate, trying to find hotels, you know, you'd never normally have a hotel in your own home city. So those sorts of things, just trying to find the right accessibility was, yeah, just again, something that I'd never thought I'd have to do, but I, there I was. Mm. So you've traveled a lot since the accident. How do you go now deciding where you're going to travel to? Because I'm assuming that not every place is wheelchair friendly. Sometimes, uh, for the most part, it does depend on the support that's coming with me. If it's my husband, I can, you know, he's quite young and fit and able and he can kind of lift me. So we can tend to go more adventurous places. You know, if I'm traveling, say, with my parents and I need to bring a hoist and, and those sorts of things, it would change where I would go. Sorry, can you explain what a hoist is? Oh, yes, yeah, so a hoist, um, I can't stand up and transfer uh, from my wheelchair to a bed. So um, I need like a mechanical hoist. I would be talking about a travel hoist in that case. The hoist I've got at my home is is gigantic. So I need assistance sort of transferring. So that's what a hoist would do. So there is a travel version of that that you can take with you? There is, but uh, it's still quite cumbersome. So I, where I possibly can, I try and travel as lightly as possible. But yeah, I mean, and you, you know, you're asking about locations. You know, the lying if said that you know, as I got older, I'm not considering things like cruise ships because they quite often have a lot of the assistive technology that you need on board, or you know, that whole idea of just jumping on a boat and it goes to the different ports and you don't have to cut everything from one place to another. Like I never thought I'd be a cruise type person, but it's actually crossed my mind as a like a really great option. So um, I'm keeping my options open when it comes to destinations, but currently I really love as far out and as far away as possible, but you know, that will probably change as I get older. Yeah. Cause how old are you now? I'm in late thirties. Yeah. Okay, so your late 30s, you've traveled before that. So now you're starting to travel in a different way. And then picking mm. locations changes as well as having to take things on trips with you. How big would this hoist be? Uh, it would be the size of you know, those big hard case suitcases, probably about one, two and a half of those okay. put together if you join them. So you need to check it in as checked in luggage. It would be oversized baggage, yes. So it's a very brief thing about it. I just got my travel hoist and I think it was like four and a half thousand. So it was not cheap. And I went to New York and I arrived and, you know, we were like, okay, great. We opened it all up and we're just about to hoist me and transfer me. And uh, we realized that the motor had been smashed. So (gasps) someone, yeah, so they hadn't actually looked properly after it when they would trans the baggage handlers and um, oh my heart just broke yes I was actually in New York for like almost two months it it broke on day one so the upside was that was when my husband and I figured out ways 
to transfer me with just his manual, like manual handling me across. But so it made us like think a bit laterally by not having it. Yeah, my husband definitely had a sore back by the end of two months. So, yeah, it, you know, I think traveling is taxing on the person with a disability, but sometimes I think it's more taxing on the people that you travel with. Okay. You're trying to do as many locations as possible, so you're not really giving yourself restrictions. Do you find third world countries are not as easy to go to? Definitely. Yeah. So uh, I went to a place called El Nido, which is – in the Philippines? Um, yeah, the Philippines, a quite very remote island. Mm, um, it is. I didn't actually go down to El Nido because it wasn't the easiest to get to. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, uh, you know, it, only in the last I don't know, few years that they actually were flying in there as well now. Oh, okay. So when I was looking, there was no flights. It was a really long right. bus trips and all kinds of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So, But interestingly, I rocked up for the plane, uh, I think it was like 45 passenger plane they had no they had no lift so I had to go up probably the steepest set of stairs I've ever been up and I was carried up by six staff members and I think that was actually probably the scariest part of my my whole trip was actually getting on probably the most you know mundane thing is getting on a plane but that was really 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 scary certainly there's less access like another little story is um, I was I thought I booked what was a really accessible hotel and and I rocked up, uh, you know, I got the transfer bus and the taxi and I turned up and the hotel was only accessible by a bumpy dirt track and I was like, well, you know, and I was going in my manual wheelchair, which is my non-electric one. Okay, uh, so do you take that travelling with you instead of your electric? Normally no, but because I had predicted that it, it, it was, you know, it was a third world and that it wouldn't have had as good of accessibility and it probably would have had to be carried a fair bit. I mean, my current electric wheelchair is with me in at 190 kilos. Wow. So yeah. there's Way no too, going. Uh, too heavy. Heavy, yeah. So I could go like two steps with some assistance, but um, I couldn't go much more than that. So, yeah, I turned up to this sort of accommodation and the dirt road was you know, very rocky, which was fine. I could deal with that. And then then I realized that it actually went via like on a beach. Like so it, I definitely couldn't do sand even mm. in my manual wheelchair. So I had to go by toot-toot and then I got transferred onto the toot-toot just manually by my friends. And then the toot-toot, it was very, very rocky and I started sliding forward and I actually um, cut my leg open <gasps> on the tut tut and again this is day one of my trip so I had oh my gosh yeah and you can also imagine being in a third world country with a massive gash on your leg I'm like and it was like the rusted metal of the tut tut so I'm like oh man I'm gonna have tetanus so you know it was one of those things like should I go to some hotel uh, sorry hospital and get a tetanus shot but I ended up just being maybe silly brave and uh and and didn't do didn't do that and I, I lived so thank you <laughs> I'm glad you survived that's a good story to tell <laughs> yeah I, would, I wouldn't be here telling you the story but yeah I mean sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and otherwise you go nowhere I know another lady she was similar level injury to me and she did uh is it I can never say it Machu Picchu mm-hmm. um and you know I remember hearing that story when I was in hospital and thought, oh, I'd never be able to travel like that. And I kind of, maybe not 
have done Machu Picchu, but certainly have done quite a few things. And so, I don't know, there's part of the human experience. So you just have to throw caution to the wind and get out there. Well, it's amazing. That's why we're doing this podcast to try and inspire other people that are in the same way, maybe don't have the same confidence to do it. And maybe those little stories that we just told about those little hiccups that you had might not inspire them. But I think it's all part and parcel of traveling. I have those same problems as well. I, you know, I went into the water and sliced my foot open on some coral. There's just things that are going to happen no matter what. And that's about being adventurous and trying, I think. Yeah, you just you just have to try and um, mitigate the risk as best you can. Maybe with the disability, things seem just exemplified, mm. you know, like just everything's just bigger and harder and it, it also makes it so much more worth it, you know, when you actually have achieved it. You're like, wow, you know, I spent through a remote island. Obviously, I had a lot of support. I had a lot of friends who helped us on that trip. But, wow, I really... I feel proud that we just didn't do the stock standard thing. Like we actually really went off road and yeah. And I feel like life is a lot richer for, for doing that. So that's great. Now my question about the plane, which was going to be what happens if they don't have the ramp to enter onto the plane. So do mm. you, when you go to check in, do you have to call them first and tell them that you have a disability and that you're going to be on that flight? How does that all work? Oh, 100%. And we're talking pretty much when you book it, even, yeah, you really need to give quite a lot of lead time because what a lot of people don't realize is that because you have a battery on electric wheelchairs or power wheelchairs, you have to get them, you have to basically sign off on them and say that it's a certain type of battery and that, you know, it's not lithium and it's not, you know, I guess you have to give them as much information and actually sign a declaration. So you can't just turn up on the day and go, hey. And also the other thing is um, depending on the plane that you're traveling in, it may actually not be big enough to hold your chair. So you need to double check the size of the hull, I guess, and whether it can fit your wheelchair. So there's a lot of you know, there there are hotlines that you can call, like Qantas is a hotline, and you just call them up and let them know. But that's a whole process. Obviously, getting all of your luggage onto the plane, you know, you've got a lot of oversize. When it comes to actually tra- going going through even just the metal detectors, the only way that they can really, because your chair is made out of metal, they've got to basically like pat you down and it's quite intrusive as well. And then, yeah, getting onto the plane. Um, these days they're pretty good. Like they let you take your regular chair, whatever it might be, whether it's a manual or electric, all the way up to, up to boarding. And then what they do is they put you on a little aisle chair. You know, if I'm traveling with my husband, you know, it's a matter of him just transferring me across with a little bit of help from staff. But if I am traveling with someone who can't lift me, then I will go by a thing called a pelican hoist. So it's like, it's like a, you know, a normal hoist that I normally use, but like teeny tiny, like really thin because it's got to go down, you know, the aisle, which is, as we all know, very, very narrow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a process. So you do need to get to the airport. They so you don't stay in your chair on the plane. Mm. They transfer you yes. over to the seat. Yep. 
And actually, it's interesting. A lot of people ask me. They don't realize that as well. And to be honest, I don't think I even really realized that until uh, I was a, a wheelchair user. But um, a lot of people go, oh, so you just stay in the chair that you're on and they just hook it in? And I'm like, no, because A, my current wheelchair would be too wide to go down the aisle. And B, I think like it's just you could think in the case of an emergency just how well they could actually tie down your wheelchair so i think you know they you everyone who is a wheelchair user has to transfer across i put a like a travel cushion down so that it gives me pressure relieving benefits because i can't stand and you know if i'm going to somewhere like new york with a long flight yeah, it's over 24 hours where I'm sitting in my butt. So I need pressure relieving um, assistance. I'm not, I'm not able to stand up, obviously. So, yeah, it's just those sorts of things that kind of, you know, I hadn't really even thought about until. So my you know, next question, what happens when you need to go to the bathroom? So you can go by an aisle chair. So the, the, there is like the little aisle um, wheelchair, which is just, you know, the Qantas or Virgin chair that they've got, but it's very, you know, very narrow. You know, again, that's really difficult. I, now I'm revealing a lot, but I'm actually catheterized. I just attach a bag to my catheter and I'm almost. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm actually probably easier than a lot of people because it's just like a tap and it's easy. You know, I don't actually need to leave my seat, but there are a lot of people that self-catheterize and they need to be in a, in, into a toilet. Uh, very tricky for them to, mm. you know, to get the help that they need and to be able to transfer into those tiny, tiny bathrooms. Yeah, because I was thinking about that. Those bathrooms are so small, but not only that. So it takes, it takes the air host a long time sometimes to come so if you really need to go, I suppose you've got to press that button really early because by the time they come and help you get in the chair and then get yeah. to that bathroom, oh. Yeah, so I think uh, well, I think a lot of people predict that, they, you know, they kind of try and time it. Um, but yeah, you're right. If you've got to go, you've got to go. And I think, though, they often know where you're seated. So the, the response for people with disabilities is usually quite quick. Um, and maybe That's they, good to hear. Possibly they're prioritized. I don't know that for sure, but I've always I would found hope when so. Yeah, I've always found when we press the button, they get their quick smarts, which is which is great. <laughs> that's good. I would hope that would happen. I'd rather them getting quicker to somebody that needs it than me that's just thirsty. <laughs> I'm probably just asking for more snacks or something personally, but yeah, it is good. <laughs> okay, so then you mentioned earlier about a lift to get down off the plane. Yeah, I mean, depending on most of the planes I go on. So you're talking about to get like off the plane. Um, yeah, if they have the stair exit and not the ramp exit. I've only encountered that in the Philippines once okay. uh, and that was dead scary. There are actually, no, I've been to another one where they've had like kind of like a hydraulic lift um, and you can basically, it basically uh, kind of like a scissor lift. I guess is the best way of describing it. And it kind of just drops you down to the ground gradually. But mostly, particularly international or domestic, it's predominantly just going via the bridge and it's all nice one level. So that's not too bad, but it's just more of the hassle of, you know, getting all of your luggage and, you know, your chair. I mean, the other thing is um, about my wheelchair when I put it underneath the hull is I've actually got to dismantle it because if I, um, and it's not with disrespect, but I think that baggage handlers 
you know, they've got a job to do and they're under a lot of pressure. So they can Well, they're very rough. Most people see what their suitcases come back looking like. Yeah, yeah, they can be, they can be. And I think with wheelchairs, because they are, in my case, they're my legs, so I just need to, I take the control off. I dismantle the foot, take the foot plates off because I just don't, I just want to reduce Damage. The damage that Absolutely. could happen to my chair because I'm really up the creek without a paddle if my control is not working. So, I think yeah, that's so really that, good advice. You know how to do it. You know how it, you can protect it. So I think that's really good advice. Yeah, yeah. We do it every time. Take the chair apart as best we can. Take take all the, that componentry on board with us in like an extra bag. And then, yeah, and then they just take. All the know, important I guess, stuff you take yeah. with you. Yeah. yeah, they take the carcass down and it's yeah, it, it works really well. Yeah. Okay, that's really good advice. Now, where have you been? What countries have you been to since you've had your accident? Mm, I have been to America twice, um, US, uh, yet to do South America. Yeah, I've been from yeah the East Coast, the West Coast and not everything in between but a fair bit in between. Uh, so that. And I've been by car, bus, um, not by train over there, but I've done a lot of travel in America. Um, I've been to the, the Philippines, Bali. Did you, you found America to be really quite wheelchair friendly? Overall, yeah. Yeah, pretty good. Although older cities like New York are definitely more challenging than, I don't know, probably Vegas, which is nice and flat and wide streets. I mean, I haven't been to Vegas, but the, the, that's an example <laughs> that, you know, I'm not using example. I like, I've been to San Fran, but I was kind of thinking San Fran isn't super accessible because it's so hilly. It's um, so hilly. <laughs> it's so hilly. It's so hilly. But yeah, like someone like, um, you know, I was in Oklahoma for a long time and weirdly have a lot of footpaths, which was like a bit of a disadvantage. But in terms of like, getting around otherwise it was you know quite easy but then when you're in New York like getting off and on the train was at times a challenge because there was quite a big drop down Mm. or when you're in when you're in Soho there's like a million cobblestones and a lot of the you know they've got the stoops so you go upstairs and then go into the shops and you know obviously I just couldn't access a lot of the older parts of, of New York so and then you went you said to the Philippines uh Philippines um Bali Wow, so you've been to Bali as well. That's interesting. I would think that that would be a really tough place to visit because I know when I've been to, I've been Mm. to the Philippines and I don't know how, I don't know how you did that because even I remember Mm. walking around thinking, wow, OH&S everywhere. It's yeah, it, it it isn't the easiest place. There are parts which are like the really resorty areas, like and they're all just they're amazing. Like they're just really wide footpaths and so but I think if you're like talking about like Kuta Legian, like the really the heart of Bali, yeah, it's definitely difficult. But I often there's one one place that has one wheelchair bus that you can hire and uh, I just basically take that uh, taxi bus around um, and I just go from location to location because I don't try and do the sidewalk um, mm. mostly. Do you remember where that of... was? Oh, it, sorry, uh, in Bali. Yeah. Um, oh, there's like like Seminyak. I did a lot of Seminyak fire. Okay. Like, yeah, uh, what was the name? I think it was Accessible Bali tours or something like that was the name of the place so and that was really good and and more recently uh I've just gotten back from as in like a month ago I've just got back from Japan and Singapore which was interesting I thought Japan would be just a little bit more accessible than it was 
Uh, it was still totally doable, yeah. uh, but very crowded. How did you go down the streets? Isn't there people everywhere? Oh, no, they're, they're lovely people. They just move out of the way. It's amazing. Oh, that's good. So, yeah, no, I, I didn't have any – weirdly, I mean, the, the crowds are hectic, especially when you're catching – is it Shibuya? Um, that whole area with the trains is not recommended. If you can avoid it at all costs, I would. Okay. But, yeah, definitely, um, and I, I think whether you're able-bodied or not, like it's really, really uh, full-on. Japan is – is, is great, but it's also full of, I don't know, you, you think it's accessible and then you kind of get there and then, you know, there's a few steps. And so I think, yeah, you, you just have to pick your places, but certainly it's, it's, it's a great place to visit. Yeah. And what do you do when you do come across a few steps? How do you handle that? It just depends on how desperately I want to go in there. So if I'm really committed, I will find a bunch of people to lift my 190-kilogram wheelchair uh, in there. Um, other times, like if it's a restaurant, I'll just get my you know, my body carried instead of the wheelchair with me in it, um, and that's sometimes a lot easier. And then I'll just sit on a normal chair a bit awkwardly, but I will do it. But other times I'll just go, it's just not worth the bother, and I'll just find somewhere that is accessible. So there's plenty of accessible places. I don't get too hung up on all the places I can't go because I think if I did, I'd probably get a little bit too consumed. Mm. So I just kind of go, yep, okay, cool, can't get in there, then that's fine. I'll just go somewhere else and, you know, and that's just sort of part of it, I guess. How do you find people respond, especially when you're needing some help? Do you find that people are really helpful? Hugely. I think more often than not, people are very very courteous the world over. Um, even if they don't truly understand your needs, uh, you know, they'll generally they try and help you and whatever it might be. It was interesting being in Japan. They're very conservative by nature. And I, I found that they really had like, so if I'm in Australia, you usually have people like jumping out, like, how can I help? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But o- over there, they had to be invited to assist. So they would look at you and unless you actually said, oh, please, like, you know, could I, you know, could I have some help? I, and that's kind of actually refreshing because sometimes people can be a little bit awkward when they, you know, they just want to just overly help when you don't actually need it. So Yeah, I was, was going to say, couldn't that be a bit annoying? <laughs> yeah, it, it does. Look, I've got a really high tolerance for it. I actually don't mind, but there are, I have a few friends who really, who are wheelchair users and they, they get super frustrated with it, especially because they're like, you know, they're really wanting to assert their independence and be independent. And then when you sort of like forced to push, you know, that someone comes up behind you and just starts pushing you, oh, which has happened. I would never do that yeah, to somebody. Someone, yeah, people has, do that? They just walk up and start pushing somebody? They, they do, especially <gasps> especially people who are going up hills. Like some of my friends, especially manual wheelchairs, are going up hills and then just someone will, they'll have someone just come up behind them and start pushing up the hill. So, but then, <laughs> I, have, yeah. I have a friend that's in a wheelchair and yeah. actually we were in Europe together and we went out mm. for a few drinks and there was a massive cobblestone hill to get back up and I was I was trying to tell her that I was strong enough to push her up the hill but she had the right mind to say no Michelle you definitely are not so we're getting a taxi so we got the taxi but I was determined I was like I'll get you up this hill she was like no no you will not no it's just (laughs) too bumpy and too steep yeah yeah so you know um but yeah I, I find I find people are 
are very helpful. Oh, that's good. So it makes you more confident to go when you know that if there is an issue, then you can say to somebody, please, I need your help. And people are willing and come in and push you when you don't even need it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the only thing is when they don't speak your language and you, Mm. because all I've really got to indicate I need help is my voice. So if they don't speak my language, that can be tricky. I mean, I'm always traveling with family, but, uh, or friends or whatever. But yeah, uh, when they don't speak your language, you're like, oh, this is, I'm going to be stuck here for a bit trying to like get the help I need because, you know, um, just the language barrier. But that's, that's for anyone really. Do you have access to your phone? I do. So uh, could you, could you have something on your phone? if you were really stuck that you could have in that language that you would be able to use? Yeah, totally. The only issue is if I was one of the things I was needing help with was to get my phone, which is generally why I need help with from someone. <laughs> so, okay. so that would be, that maybe it would work. But yeah, look, when we were in Japan, we used Google Translate and that sort of thing a lot. So yeah, like there's so much technology out there and apps and things that they're mainstream as well. So they, you know, but they help people with disabilities hugely. So yeah, that's very helpful to have all of those sort of devices at, you know, at your fingertips, I guess. Yeah. Now you mentioned that you always travel with people. What if Mm. someone doesn't have someone to travel with them, but they want to go and take on the world? Do you know if there is any support that they can get? Yeah, look, I mean, I, I think that there's limited support. I mean, People who are under the NDIS and need care support quite often take take their carers with them. So I guess when you think about, about it in a round way, the NDIS or the National Disability Insurance Scheme assists people. So that's a government scheme? Yeah, it's a national government scheme. In Australia, that, um, yep. In Australia. Overseas, you know, you potentially, you know, there are care agencies, that sort of thing. But, uh, I, you know, I always recommend, like, you know, if you're able to travel fairly independently, if you've got, your, you know, if you're, say, paraplegic or you, you know, you have the capabilities to potentially do it, you know, I think getting the right assistive technology to allow you to do that is, you know, a starting point. But in terms of organisations, I mean, you know, I work for an organisation called the Independent Living Centre of WA, and it advises people on what they should be thinking about when they go overseas in terms of assistive technology. But I honestly, if I had to give one piece of advice for other people with disabilities travelling, it would be actually to get on Facebook and look up groups like, oh, what are they? I'm just trying to think of the names. Accessor, uh, uh, Travability is one of them. Accessible Travel, I think something group. So these um, are Facebook groups? They're actually, yeah, they're like closed Facebook groups yep. of people. And it, it's actually peer-to-peer support. So people give, you know, and I work for another little under the Independent Living Centre, it's at chat. Um, and we give, we've got a closed group as well. So, um, you know, you can throw a question out as, you know, say, hey, has anyone been to Singapore before? You know, what would you suggest taking or where are the cool places to go that are accessible? And it, the wealth of information is, it's it's phenomenal. So kind of, I've only really discovered it in the last couple of years and I wish I had have discovered it earlier that, you know, a lot of the questions I had 
you know, could have easily been answered um, through one of these groups. So, and everyone with a disability that are part of this group are super willing to help other people because they they know firsthand just how difficult it can be. Or you know, they might have their like favorite place that they just want to share with you. You know, they go, oh, you know, this bathroom is really accessible in this hotel, and you know, or this this you know trip that we did was really accessible. You should definitely do that. You know, that would be a real recommendation is to to get on to there's there's a lot of these different groups um out there so Mm, that's really helpful and it is nice to hear other people's stories and hear how they've done it hugely it's it's pretty much the most powerful piece of information i mean uh, there are accessible travel agents out there um again i've actually i've not used one but i've heard really good things they're really like specialists and quite often they are driven by other people with disabilities that have decided you know got frustrated and decided to you know open their own agency but um yeah there are and is there two companies as well definitely there there are some out there or there are I guess, I get mainstream tours that have got that strain, you know, of, of having an accessible um, element to the tour, you know, you just have to search for them because sometimes, yeah, they can be a bit of a challenge to find. Okay. And you were mentioning before about the company you work for. What do you do? Uh, so we're talking about peer-to-peer information. So we uh, at Chat or Assistive Technology Chat is a peer-to-peer information channel, a platform where people with disabilities educate other people and inform them and share experience and knowledge about the assistive technology they use or uh, things that they discover. Sorry, what do you mean by assisted technology? Assistive technology is like a device or a piece of basically a piece of equipment that can help a person keep them independent. So it's a very, very broad thing. Uh, So it can be like an adapted bottle opener, as simple as that, you know, very sort of, you know, low budget sort of things, all the way up to a very highly complex um, computer system uh, or communication device or, you know, like a very complicated electric wheelchair, but then it could be as simple as the wheelchairs that you see at hospitals, you know, a really basic wheelchair as well. So it's sort of that full spectrum of equipment that can assist people to, you know, have more independence. Okay, that's fabulous. And you enjoy working and doing that? Yeah, it's the best job I think I've ever had, I'm sure. It's, and it's, you know, it's life-changing, you know, to be able to share knowledge and information and, uh, you know, improve people's capacity to do things like travel. I mean, people with disabilities are traveling the most they probably ever have in history because of things like assistive tech, because of these shared knowledge platforms. This is really you know, groundbreaking and life-changing stuff. So it's it's pretty amazing to be a part of that. So people can find you on Facebook? Yes, uh, Facebook and Instagram. Um, if they just search the handle at chat with us, A-T-C-H-A-T-W-I-T-H-U-S. Oh, great. So then people, it's not a group, it's an actual page. Uh, so we have a page, but if you scroll along to, I think it's community, um, that will connect you with group and that's called Chatterbox. So that will be our closed group open for people with disabilities. Okay. So then they can go in there and they can make connections with other people. Absolutely. Uh, it's it's a great little group. So what's your next trip? My next trip? I don't know. Oh, I really don't know. I'd like to go to Europe. Um, I'd like to check out regional France. Uh, that would be 
really great. So I'm really open. But most likely, knowing me, being in Western Australia, it's probably going to be Bali. (laughs) It's cheaper for you to go to Bali than it is to come to Melbourne. Absolutely. Actually, it is, sadly. But, you know, know, I'd be happy to go to Melbourne too. Is there anything that people do or say that is really frustrating for you? I would say definitely. There's... (laughs) When when it comes to travel, there's the term or the little sentence where they go, oh, yeah, it's accessible, you know, and then you turn up and it's so not accessible. Mm. You know, it's at that point that sometimes you're like, oh, we live on different planets. People who have, you know, who are able-bodied versus people with disabilities, we just, yeah, we just have different needs. And I think, you know, if it's my friends, yes, it is a – definitely a bugbear of mine that when you even when you go to the effort of calling up somewhere ahead of time they're like yeah sure it's accessible and then you rock up there and there's like five stairs and you're like ah dude really um and then you you wouldn't think that you would need to spell it out for them i cannot go up any stairs (laughs) you wouldn't think you would have to say that yeah yeah i guess i mean a lot of people just go oh yeah well we just lift you but then you kind of explain to them that there's no way, you know, only on the weekend I was actually carried upstairs and um, I had six grown men doing it. Like so, and, and they, they, they were huffing and puffing and that was five stairs. It's certainly you're not going to turn up to a restaurant and they're going to be able to have that capability to have like six people assist you. And then I think the other very frustrating people, people say, which I don't in essence have issue with except if, it's what they lead with when you first meet someone. But the, this, the saying or the question, you know, what happened to you is a very frustrating and... A stranger will ask you that? A lot. A really? lot. A lot, yeah, unfortunately. You know, and I actually, like, just mess with them now and I just make up really outrageous things. I'm Absolutely, like, oh, I, I would do I the same thing. I fell off a camel or I just like make up or I'm just faking it. I can actually walk like, you know, so <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just yeah, really bizarre that people think that that's an appropriate thing to say to, oh, I think to it's people. so disrespectful. I would never, it's the same as someone that's gone grey, like who's really young or you might say, oh, well, what's happened? You've had a tough life. Like, well, you wouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the thing is, like, if we got into a conversation as we, you know, we did today, like, I'm actually really happy to share. But it's just when people who have never met you and, and also, I think it's a real reminder that you are different. When I was able bodied, no one ever, no one would ever ask, you know, what happened to you? What do you mean? What happened to me? Like, you know, like, it's, it's really just pointing out, oh, hey, you're different. You know, oh, and also it's a little bit of a pity thing too and because quite often it's followed by, oh, yeah, that's really, oh, yeah, life must be hard kind of thing. And it's just like, well, actually, I'm really happy and, yeah, look, I would rather be walking but you can say that journey. about – It's not. And I've grown a lot as a person and I'm, I'm happy. I'm very happy and I've got a very full life and I think there's this assumption that, you know, if you are in a wheelchair or if you have any kind of disability that you live a – a less fulfilled life. Maybe that is the case in some in some instances, but certainly, you know, in you know my own personal experience, you know, it was hard in the beginning, but now I just I don't even think about my disability. Like I don't go, oh, woe is me, I'm in a wheelchair, or woe is me, uh, you know. It, primarily when a other people remind me of it, or b I go to somewhere and it's not accessible. That's when I'm reminded, oh yeah, that's right. 
you've got a disability. And the world is changing and for the better when it comes to understanding and accessibility. So, you know, it's still got a way to go, but we're, we're trying to live our an inclusive life and it's it, things are changing for the better so and you have a beautiful daughter yes yes I do yeah and that's the thing you know I've got married you know I've got a business with my husband I've got a, a daughter like life goes on and you know and, and obviously one of my favorite things I've got to travel and and I'm very blessed that I actually live in Australia where I am supported you know, through, you know, through the government and through um, many different avenues. We could be in a favourable country and, you know, it is a lot harder, a hell of a lot harder with a disability um, and that understanding isn't there. So you, sometimes you just have to count your blessings. And I think you do that in a really, really inspirational way and I love that you still take on the world. Thank you. Yeah, um, I just... Uh, if you could just go traveling twice a year, every year, you know, it would be amazing. I've got a lot more travel ahead of me and, and planned, but I think once you've got the travel bug, it's sort of hard to get out of your system, I think. Yeah, it's great. And I, I'm glad that you haven't let being in a chair stop you from traveling the world and seeing the things you want to see. And I think if you want to do South America, I'm sure there's ways you can do it and you can get to Machu Picchu. There is a bus that takes you up there. You wouldn't be able to go up all the stairs because even some of them I didn't go up just because I was scared of the heights. (laughs) (laughs) But there is definitely platforms where you can go and you can see it. So I Ah. think, yeah, you totally could do it. Not going to rule it out. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for talking to us today. Is there anything that you would like to tell our listeners? Try and link in with people that can help. uh, have been there, done that, because, you know, you don't want to reinvent the wheel. If people have already been there and done that, you know, just use that information. I I really wish I had done that and do a bit of planning and just try and get out there and, um, you know, start off domestically, you know, if you've never been overseas, just do a bit of travel around Australia and then go further afield from there. I think that's really good a good advice. Going around Australia is a good start because there's so much support around here. And then if you're feeling confident, take on the world. Why not? Definitely, definitely. Also, we have a competition. Make sure you head over to our Facebook page at With You Every Step. For all the competition details, entries close at the end of September 2018. So make sure you get over there and enter. Good luck, everybody. We have a new email address. So if you want to contact us, please do. We love to hear from you. With you every step podcast at gmail.com. Can't wait to hear your suggestions on topics. Thanks for listening to With You Every Step, hosted by Michelle Lee. We do hope you enjoyed listening. And if you did, make sure you tell everybody. If you didn't, nobody likes a Debbie Downer. Please subscribe to get up to date with our latest releases and give us a thumbs up on our social media at With You Every Step. We love to hear from you. If you have any questions or inquiries, please email us at michelle at michellelee.com or head to the Contact Us page at our website, michellelee.com. That's also where you'll find all our blogs mentioned in the podcast. We love to hear from you and if we have inspired you to travel. Thanks for listening. Love life and adventure on.